Welcome to Practically a Fabringen, a podcast about life, about getting real, and about Chabad Hasidus. Here's our hosts, Menachem Poznanski and Rabbi Meir Prager. Practically a Fabringen, welcome back. A great episode today. Really auspicious for timing. And it wasn't planned that way at all. It just worked out that way. We're going to talk about tshuva. Of course, I think it'll be a more practical and maybe a different frame than most people are used to, but it's it's exciting that it worked out this way. Anyway, before we start, if you're new to the podcast, five-star review, subscribe, share with your friends, and uh, we love you. So we're in the middle of Perak Zion, and the author begins to discuss the nature of the consequences of our bad behavior and the actions that we get to take to try to repair our relationship or our connectedness with God. Here it is. We're in Perak Zion of Tanya, and what we're talking about right now is we're talking about the aspect of klipa, right? Which is a which is a, a topic that we've already introduced in the last chapter. Um, klipa is like the husk of reality. It's it's that which blocks off God, right? And we we introduced the three the the shloshes klipos tameos, the three layers of totally disconnected klipa. And that relates to all the things that are prohibited and all the things that we try to avoid and all those things that can't be elevated. And then and then in the beginning of Parag Zion, we started to discuss the way in which the Nefesh Bahamas of, of a Jewish person, but also anything that's permissible in this world, emerges from something called Klipas Noga, right? Which is a kind of an intermediary space that either can be elevated or it could be degraded. And last time we were talking about that idea of the way in which any action with the right motive can be elevated to become a holy thing. And the question that that leads to is, well, what happens if I don't elevate it? What happens to Klipas Noga that's not elevated or the aspects of it that's not elevated? What does that look like? So I think that's where we are. So we are over here. Dalter starts talking about the concept of tshuva, return. Because if something is done for the wrong reason, it goes into a bad place. Question is, what happens to that place? Everything in reality, in the world of nature is unforgiving. There's no forgiveness in, in nature. It's survival of the fittest, shows weakness, weakness equals death, and it's just a matter of time, and that's the way it goes. And that's how life was all the time. At Martin Terror, something fundamental changed. After Hashem gave the terror, unfortunately, Jews didn't do what they were supposed to do. They made an idol. A, little while, a very short time afterwards. And basically, in the face of everything that was godly and special and holy, they did the worst of the worst in, the, in, an, in an immensely short period of time of the most, exp- most amazing experience ever. It's shocking till today, anybody reading that story, how that happened. But what happened next is really the most important thing that ever happened, that happened to humanity. And that is Moshe, as the Chumash tells us, it went up, spoke to God, and for 40 days, basically cut a deal. <laughs> cut a deal. And it was a, the, Hashem introduced the concept of tshuva, repentance. And that was a game changer. The second luchis, the Torah tells us what's so unique about the second giving of the, of the tablets, the second one, and why they were extra special is because with them came the concept of tshuva. Until then, these are the rules. You live by these rules, you live. You break these rules, you die in some form. 
spiritual, physical. It just, there is, there, there was, it's just the way it is. That was reality. Everything has a set of rules that lives, that they live by. What, be it animal, be it nature, be it trees, whatever it is, everything has a set of rules. And you, and, and Eden also would have a set of rules and the rules, the rules were terror. You live with it, you do it, you live. God forbid the opposite. Then, where the second luchas came out an amazing concept, where Hashem said, actually a relationship, to keep a relationship with the Yidden is more important than, than anything else. Even if you break all my rules, even if you break everything that I put forth for you, even if you did something in my face, in the most chutzpah way, in such a short time, after everything I've done for you, I'm not breaking this relationship. It's a commitment from Hashem that a Yid stays a Yid no matter what. What that in turn came, uh, turned on to us is that we also have have this um, requirement and ability and gift and any which way you want to describe it of tshuva that we also have to have that same thing that we are reconnecting. And different things that we do in our life has different types of levels of tshuva. How do we reconnect? So maybe also if we look at it from a personal point of view, if someone did something that offended their wife, the path to make amends with the wife is going to be one way. And the most important track that's going to be is this relationship is too important to me and I, I got to keep it. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want it broken in any form. If you did something to your kids or your kids did something to you, it's a different thing. It's a different level of chova. If you're at work, and it's work. It's 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 with a worker. It's not there. You don't have the un, you don't have a commitment that you have to stay together forever and ever. So there is a, there is a certain level of chuva, like you can you know make amends, but it doesn't carry the same same weight as it's going to be with a child or with a wife or things like that. So really, there are many when we say chuva, return, repentance. There's going to be many different ways of discussing it depending on what the infraction is. But the most important thing that we have to know when it comes to tshuva is that the Rebbe focuses, the word is, as it says in Tanya later on, it's a, word, it's, it's a breakup of the word tashuv hey. It's returning to Hashem. It's all about the relationship. What do I have to do to bring out the relationship that God has with me? Because He already made a commitment to me, unconditional, that, I'm, that we're always going to be connected. And it's now my job is to bring that relationship uh, to, to be a parent, to be a, to be a conscious, to be of it, to be living it, to appreciate it. And that's what tshuva is. <clears throat> so he, he starts off with a lower level, even though there's a, I'm sorry. Well, can I ask you about that first? Sure. Okay. So, so what you described was, what I understood was the world begins from a place of darkness in the sense that the world is operating within the frame of nature. And we know that nature is harsh, right? If somebody dies, they're dead, right? That's just, the, there's a consequence, right? If God forbid somebody loses a limb, right? In an accident, the limb doesn't grow back, right? It's just gone, right? There's no like, well, I made a mistake and we feel bad for him. And like, well, it's really a nebuch, you know, he kind of got lost and, you know, whatever. He was doing terrible things. I think he deserves his arm back, Like right? That's it. Your arm's gone. Right, so the world was kind of operating within that frame, meaning things were either elevated or they were not elevated. The giving of the Torah created a circumstance where 
there was an ability to actually elevate things that are mundane, things that are material, which is a whole chiddush in the universe, right? But then, the, then, then what occurred, right? So that that introduced in this idea, and the Jewish people become the bearers, the carriers of that of that power and that ability, and and the nations of the world and their ability to connect to us is our ability to kind of lift them up and do that as well. What happened was the Jews sinned with the chet ego. Right? This is what you described. So when they sinned with the Chet Ego, they introduced a new thing into the world, which is a, a rejection from below of the opportunity to ascend above. Because the world was still operating within its frame, within its system of nature, so like I said, it's Rafalan, you lost your arm, it's done. Comes Moshe Rabbeinu, through prayer, he brings out in the world a part of our relationship with God, right? Which is a part of, that was always there, because Chazal tells the Tshuva was there before the world was even created, right? Just hadn't yet been revealed, this idea of Tshuva. Right, this idea that, no, you can, in the world of spirituality, a person can get their arm back, so to speak. Right? You can transcend the consequences of bad behavior. That is what was revealed in the second luchos. Right? So the first luchos were the luchos of like a perfect reality where there's, a, there's an offer from God for us to, be, to live ascendantly, and we reciprocate. And the second luchos are, there's an offer from God for us to ascend. We reciprocate, and then we fail, and then we reciprocate, and then we fail, and God is still there. Now, what you said that's really, really powerful, well, first before that, what you said, which is really powerful, is that what the second luchos revealed is that there's life after sin, right? Which is really, really like a powerful thing to think about. And and the realization that that's not actually, it's counterintuitive. It's actually counterintuitive to the system that with, which, within which we operate, which are oftentimes, you know, it's just, just not to make too much of a sidebar, but... I had, I was teaching a class this semester in, in graduate school, teaching social workers, and I brought in a woman whose job it is to advocate for parents who lose their children. That's her job. So she was presenting this to the students. The students had a very hard time with that, right? Cause some of these parents are like bad people. And the social worker, what she was saying, she's a real Yerushalayim, she's amazing, she's someone I work with a lot. She said, listen, it's not my job, right? There's actually another, org- there's a Jewish organization that advocates for the children. If I forgo my responsibility to give these parents a second chance, then I'm messing up the whole system. Right. Right. So, but the students were having a very hard time with it. Why? Because logically speaking, you're bad. You messed up. That's it. You're out. (laughs) But the, no second chance. But part of what the tshuva of the Chita Egel introduces is even within our society, even within American legal society, there's an idea of repentance. There's an idea of a redo of an opportunity and a, a context Right, which is beautiful. Right. Anyway, so part of what you said was was that the reason why tshuva works, and this is really, I think, really, really powerful, and it relates to the idea of chabad of bringing things into a logical space that we can understand. And then you expressed it in many ways. Is that the reason why tshuva makes sense? Right. So, right. So going back to the students, it doesn't make sense. Why would you try to help the parents? They did a horrible thing. The answer is the reason why it makes sense is because the relationship is what's most important. Right. It's actually more important than the, than the wrong thing that you did. Right which on a practical level was interesting because part of what the my colleague, who's an expert, was explaining is that the studies are not clear about whether the, the children are better off not being with the parent who's been reformed rather than being with a stranger, yeah. right? So you're not even sure that it's actually good. The relationship sometimes is better, even though it's tragic that this kid was born into a, a parent who's deeply flawed, right? So that's a complicated situation, right? But okay, but that's the half deal, right? But on the level of, the, of our relationship with God, and you explain that they... The tush of hay, the teaching of the Rebbe, the right, tshuva is tush of hay, the, the return of the hay to its space is actually 
a return of the relationship. Right. Right. So that Shuva is our commitment and dedication to the relationship. It's saying that the relationship is more important than the wrong that was done. So that, and that's what fuels Shuva forward. So the so which is very powerful because of what that means is is that means that Shuva makes a lot of sense, even though it's counterintuitive to how we live. It, you know, it's interesting, the Rambam, when he says about Chuva, he talks about how you change this, you change that, you change this, you change And Nas, where he says the words, Nasa ki'ish acher, becomes like a different person. The brilliance of that is amazing. It's like, it's not a good example, but I use this example on, in, in different aspects. I'm like, let's say someone overeats and they make this, like, I'm not eating for the next X amount of hours. And in X amount of hours, you just, you know, you're before that time, you're, you're very hungry and you gotta eat. So what's going on over here? There was you then. Right. And there's you now. Right. The you now says, I'm hungry. I don't say, you ate like a pig yesterday, like a few hours ago. That's not I, my problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> I'm hungry now. You, you should have, I don't know who you are. You made a deal on my behalf. Who right. gives you the right to talk for me? That's amazing. A person is Basha Husham. Where are you at that particular time? Right, right. So you can't say, so the Rambam is saying like this, you did do that then. But if you really change your, your actions and your this, and you're not that guy anymore. So Chuva not being punished for it is not because we're letting you get away with it. You're not that guy. It's like punishing the wrong person. Mm. It's if that guy is, if you have, st- if, if there's still proof that you're that guy, then you should get punished for that because, you know, you did something bad. But if you changed, you're a different person. So it's not, re- this is an amazing concept. It's not just, we're talking about Toshiv. Hey, it's not just bringing back to relationship. We are becoming Toshiv. We are returning to Hashem. We are becoming a different person. We're becoming a more godly person. We're not that guy anymore. Okay, so what, okay, so what you're saying is, is, okay, there's three entities here. There's the person that, that I was. Right. There's the person that I am today. And then there's the relationship, if I'm understanding. So the relationship is of supreme importance. Yes. It's more important than everything. Right. It's more important than whatever I did wrong. But when I disrespect the relationship, there are consequences. I did something wrong. And if I stay in that place of being that person, then even though the relationship is predominant, right, there's no opportunity to reinvest and reconnect. But when I go through the process of becoming the person that I am or becoming a new person, a new experience of myself or allowing myself to be present within the new experience of myself, the person that I'm growing to be and not get stuck with who I was yesterday, right? Which is interesting because that relates to this idea of letting go of our constant evaluation of who we are. Right? Right. We we're talking about that on Shabbos, right? right? With Rabbi right? This idea the Rebbe goes back to again and again, right? Where Rabbi about to die and he says, I don't know which way I'm going, right? The Rebbe says, because he wasn't preoccupied with himself, right? right? So what you're saying over here is, how can I be preoccupied with myself? I'm going to be preoccupied with who I was yesterday. I'm a totally different person right now, right? right? So the, the point is, I'm trying to be true to the person I am today. And when I am, per, when I am true to the person I am today, the relationship which is predominant suddenly becomes available, right? When I abandon the consequences of what happened yesterday. It's interesting. The rela- Maybe let's use a child-parent relationship. A, a, a person's relationship with their child is, is there. Even if they don't talk to each other anymore. 
It's always there. You cannot break that relationship. Right. It's unbreakable. Even if it's not healthy for them to be together. Even if they have a legal separation agreement, they're, they're not going to be in the same place. Right. Even if he gets arrested coming close, it doesn't make a difference. Even if you make a phone call, it doesn't make a difference. It's still the parent. Right. The relationship is there. The second luchas revealed that, that it's, I'm not going to I can't talk. And the person's not talking to his child for whatever the reason is. You know, they did terrible things and they're doing terrible things. And actually, because if I spoke to them, I'm, I'm, the person would be enhancing and bringing out the bad, the worst. You, you kind of did an acceptance thing. So therefore, you have to be dis- separated from that child or the child from the parent. You know, in the old days, you always talked to the other way. It's parent to the child. But now, really, there's more, there's more damage the other way around. Right. But uh, whichever which way, we're not going into the details of that. But the point is, regardless they're always going to be a parent-child relationship no matter what. But what we came down in this world and anything, any relationship, is not just that it should be there in a DNA format, like we just happen to be my father or happens to be my child. It's that we're, that relationship is fueling our conscious self. Mm. So when you're with that person, you have a, you, you're with somebody that loves you unconditionally, which brings out the best in you and brings out the best in them. It's there for a purpose, not just to be there. So it's to, 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 to heighten our experiences. It's the same thing with the Tatera Mitzvahs. When, if a person, God forbid, sins, there is a disconnect. Like if a person goes ahead and acts completely disrespectful and terrible to people, to the parents, other things, you cannot just welcome in, oh, how you doing? Like nothing happened. Something happened. But the path of tshuva, the fact that right now is available, that's what happened with, with Matan Terah. That here is, if you, if you work on yourself, you, would be, you can reveal it. You can bring it, you can, you can bring it out. Mm, wow. This is a powerful you know, idea in and of itself to think about what tshuva is and, and how it operates and the way in which it's logical and orderly, but at the same time revealing powerfully potent commitment to relationship, right? Which relates to the other stuff that we'd like to talk about someday, which is the, the predominance of the relationship and putting the relationship first before everything else, right. all of my agenda. It almost, for somebody who is very hurt by somebody right now, they were like, okay, the relationship's important, but look what they did. Right. So there's no question that we, we're not minimizing the fact just because you became a different person, you still have to make up for the fact that you did damage in the previous, with the, that previous person. Right, obviously. Yeah, you know, so it would, it, I don't want to minimize in any which way that that's part of the tshuva process. And also the other person has to be ready to receive you. Meaning, right, sometimes that plays out as well, right, in the therapeutic process. Right. Where let's say a parent does the work of rectifying, but the child, let's say, hasn't done the work of forgiveness. Right? So that's this, now we're getting into what Tanya, that's why he says there's two avenues. Avenues. There are two types of, of, of damage that you're doing. Some damage that you're actually doing to yourself and you have to do chuva because you messed yourself up. And then there is what happens to the damage you did when you actually hurt somebody else. Hmm. And that would be anything that you did with Dover Arsar. For example, the first one would be is if you just had the wrong mindset on a Dover Mutter. I just... Didn't correct it. I didn't need it correctly. I didn't do it correctly the way Terry wants it to do. So the only damage is doing to myself. That's right. one level of how you're going to have to, the Tanya is going to discuss how to, what to deal with that. But then there is Gimel Kippasat Maze where you actually did something wrong. This is what God, reality, God, goodness said, don't do this. And you've done that. 
So how do you fix the bad and how do you fix yourself in that particular relationship in the sense of bringing back the tosh of hay, bringing it back to where it's supposed to be? Okay, so what you're saying is the the reinvestment in this process of giving the relationship predominance and re-engaging the relationship, practically speaking, has two applications. One application is I did something which wasn't overtly damaging to the other party, but ostensibly I disrespected myself, right? So if I eat like a behemoth and I disrespect myself, I haven't hurt anybody. I made a bracha. It was kosher food. I didn't, I didn't hurt anybody, but I disrespected my own spiritual process. I disrespected, and it, there's a consequence in the sense that it takes me away from my sense of feeling of connection with God. So the rectification is mostly within myself. Mm. But when I engage something that's overtly usser, right? Which means God said, please don't do this. Right, which is right. an interesting frame. Right, instead of God, God said, "Don't do this." He said, right. "Please, please no, no. don't do this for me." When God says, "Please don't do this," and then I do it, there's a reciprocal consequence. Not that God is angry, not that like we're hurting God's feelings. Right, that's not the point. Right. right, but there's a consequence to the fact that God said, "Please don't do this," and I did it anyway. So there's the the way in which when I do something like that, I'm disrespecting myself in that second part, and there's also the way in which I'm damaging the other party or the whole universe. Right, because God said, "Please don't do this," and I do it. Right, so you have ultimately, ostensibly, two frames of of rectification that occur within the process of tshuva. What's powerful? What's interesting? When I'm in a process of ca- of counseling people, particularly p- individuals that are working in the twelve step frame. So part of that process of the twelve steps is they make an inventory of their wrongs and they identify a list, right, of people that they've harmed, and then they have to go out and make amends. Part of what I've commented to people many times, and this is because of my own experience also with trying to like do chuva, make right things that I've done wrong, is that sometimes I'm so overwhelmed with guilt and I'm so overwhelmed by what I did. I want to go to the other person and ask them to forgive me, but really it's about me being freed from my guilt. I mean, I need them to tell me that it's okay that I hurt them, right? which, which is a very subtle, messed up way of hurting them again, right? Because I'm not even inviting them into forgiveness. I'm just like, please tell me it's okay that I hurt you because it's still about me. I haven't even gotten away from things. Right? So in that process of trying to like do the chuva, there's also kind of figuring out what is it my what is it that's my motive? There are times where I've done things to other people that I need to acknowledge, and it's really, it's a, it's about me. It's about me being honest with myself and being honest with the people around me and trying to make that right. And then it is about me to some degree. But what you're saying over here, which I think, Lahavdil, is that there's a part where it's not all about me. Right. And it's if I continue to make hey, this about me. It's about, it's about the relationship. Right. It's not about me at all. Then it's like, I'm, I'm like hurting, like I'm leveraging right. God's desire to love me and have a relationship with me against him to make it about me instead of making it about the way no, in which but, I disrespect the whole deal. But when you, but your mind, well, but, but if you're doing it in a sense that it's tosh of hay, it's to return the relationship, even though you're, th- you're not really thinking about yours, you're thinking about yourself just as, as part of the, of the relationship. Right. So it's not a sensibly, not about you. Right. You took that, you, you cleaned that, that issue away. Right, 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 right. Because our relationships, even though it's, you're forgiving me, but it's not, it's my, I'm only interested about the relationship. Right, you can, you can be yeah. too intense about that. Yeah, it's we yeah, gotta yeah, get over. Yeah. Yeah. Get over. We gotta get over ourselves. Get over. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay, that's great. That was that was amazing. Uh, thank you, Mayor. You will. <laughs> <laughs>